Well, it's a time of change, isn't it? And, um, and we, we're experiencing that on a national level, and people are very thoughtful about this time of national change that we're in with a new king and a, a queen who's just died, but also a time of personal change where many of you are perhaps new here for the first time, or perhaps this is the first time you've ever come to church, or perhaps you or somebody you love or somebody you know well has moved away to somewhere else. And these are all things that we have to navigate, aren't they? And, um, and uh, I, I, was, I was actually, for Julie and I, our eldest son, Jack, we dropped him off at university on, uh, on, on Friday. And that was big. It's emotional, isn't it? I was doing, I was doing quite well with it. And, uh, and then, we, you know, with the queen dying and everything, it just added to the emotion. <laughs> and then... But I, I was doing so well, and then sort of drove him up Saturday afternoon. We said our goodbyes, and he said, "Dad, it's time for you to go now." Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I got in the car, and it was going well. And then I thought, you know what? I, I just felt a little bit flat. I'll, I'll just put a bit of the, I'll put the radio on just to cheer myself up a bit. <laughs> Have you listened to the radio in the last couple of days? I mean, there's only so many stations that can play that can play Celine Dion's Titanic theme tune. <laughs> as a reflection to the nation's mood at the moment. I thought, this isn't any good at all. So that finished me off. But, hey, so I'm with you. If you're experiencing change at the moment and emotion at the moment, I'm with you 100%. Isn't it so good, Sarah's word earlier, that we, we do that as family together. So if you're brand new here or if you've been here a thousand years, you are welcome to participate in this as church family. And I really hope you get to stay for lunch after. So as Luke said, we're actually starting a brand new teaching series today. And this new series is called Great Commission People. And it's based on the last few verses of Matthew's gospel, where Jesus gives his disciples a great commission. And our hope is this, that we become people who, are, who love and live the great commission. That means to love and live, telling people about Jesus and going to the ends of the earth to let people know about him and how much he loves them. And straight away, you might be thinking, well, in the context of everything else that's going on, how does this relate to the queen's death? Let me give you three very obvious connections, okay, before we actually get into the verses this morning. Firstly, the queen was renowned for telling people about Jesus at every opportunity. Every Christmas message, she referenced the gospel in some way, with some clarity, You might have missed some of those, but every time. And therefore, if you want to follow her good example, then learn to articulate your faith and tell people about Jesus. Here's the second reason it connects is this, that we share her hope. If you're a Christian today, then you know this in your heart of hearts. You know that there's somebody called Elizabeth being welcomed home by Jesus in eternity right now. And she's not Queen Elizabeth anymore. She's Elizabeth, the child of the King of Kings. And she's wearing royal robes, not of state, and it's burdens that weigh them down. But she's wearing the royal robes of righteousness. And do you know, one day you're going to wear that same outfit as her, (laughs) as Jesus brings you home. We share the hope. And thirdly, here's why it connects, because the Bible says that we don't grieve like the rest of people who have no hope. That's to say, although we might feel a bit sad and a bit strange, the truth is this, that if you're a believer, you know that we're going to live forever because Jesus has promised his people eternal life. Therefore, 
rather than just capturing the national mood, if you're a believer here today, the Queen and any other Christian would urge you to be somebody who takes the opportunity, as others are feeling sadness, to bring comfort by sharing with them the hope you have. And if somebody says, how are you feeling about it? To say, well, I've got mixed emotions like all of us, but here's my overwhelming one, that I loved her Christian hope and I share it with her. And I wonder if you do too. So uh, there was a, a, a king in the Old Testament. His name was King Uzziah, and he had a very long reign. And when he died, it caused a national moment, it, a bit like we might be in today. Everything was changing. And it was in that moment in Isaiah chapter 6 that the prophet Isaiah was called. And it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And his train filled the temple. And God gave him a great commission to go. And here's my invitation to you today. In this cultural moment, in this moment of change, let's be people who see God. Let's be people who see his plan and purpose and hear his commission and his calling over our lives Because I believe if we embrace this moment, we can be like a pen in God's hand as he writes his story in this moment of history with us. So you ready for that today? Okay, long introduction, but let's read the verses. From Matthew chapter 28, these are the words of Jesus, some of the very final words he spoke that we're about to read. So then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here we have it. It's called the Great Commission. Now, it's hard to kind of, with the teachings of Jesus, it's all great, isn't it? It's all good. (laughs) I mean, there's not a word that Jesus said that wasn't amazing. But there are certain things that get referred to as great. One of them was when somebody said to him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, well, You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's that's great. And we'd understand that to mean, well, okay, loving God and loving people, particularly in the context of that Good Samaritan story where he told that story, well, loving people who are very different to us, helping those in need, loving God, loving our neighbors, people who are often unknown to us. But Sometimes we imagine those things in our head in terms of what that looks like. And so Jesus keeps teaching us. Every bit of his teaching is about those things. And another time he says, well, a new commandment I give to you. And he says that you love one another, that the world might know that you are my disciples. So here's part of loving God and loving your neighbor is that we learn to love one another as believers and that we do church as family, that we're not just lone rangers. Here's an invitation to you if you're finding a church. Please find a church. Please join a family within this city. Join this one by all means, but find another one if this isn't the one for you because we do this stuff in community together. But then Jesus, he finishes with these words and and it's known as the Great Commission because 
perhaps the ultimate way in which we can love our neighbor and love God is to do what he says and to tell them the best news and most life-changing news of all. And it's to tell them the good news about Jesus. Somebody once said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now, don't nod, okay? Because <laughs> it sounds really wise, and, and perhaps there's some wisdom in it. If you're one of those Christians who just talks all the time, then, yeah, do some things that back it up. But I don't think Jesus would ever commend us for saying, you know what, you didn't say anything. <laughs> you just loved people. They didn't have a clue about forgiveness from sins or eternal life or judgment to come. But you know what? You really helped them. Well done. He's going to say, tell them the important stuff. In loving them, in helping them, in serving them, also share the truth of God's grace in Christ with us. I don't know about you, but sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus, talking is something we can find challenging. But there's a message within the Great Commission that, that we're, to, uh, we're to understand and we're to learn to share. And we're going to spend some time over these coming weeks. Each week, we're going to get to show a video of somebody within Kings who's learning to share their faith and is a good example of that. Or going across the world to church plant, which is another expression of this. And we're going to be learning from those people. We're going to hear from Guy a little bit later on today on video. But as we get into this, I want to just teach on some of these themes within the Great Commission. And this is, we're all doing our sort of favorite queen moments at the moment, aren't we? And uh, people are remembering. I've never met the queen. Um, But this was one of my favorite queen moments. It was at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. And uh, if you could put the picture up, that would be... Uh, Oh, oh, hang on, sorry. Just wait a sec. Um, So this is Sir Chris Hoy, and he's bringing in the Commonwealth baton. And in the baton is a message from the queen, which is ran around the world by thousands of runners. On Commonwealth Day, she sends out a message inviting everybody to the games from the Commonwealth. And it gets run around the world. And then Sir Chris Hoy, he's bringing it into the Glasgow, into the arena there. And it's about to get ran out by the Queen. All this guy in the middle, the president of the, of the Commonwealth Games, has to do is to undo the lid and get the message out to give to the Queen. Let's see what happens, shall we? <laughs> Millions of people watching. You've got to feel sorry for the guy, haven't you? But I don't know about you, but what a, what a great, um, a, a, a great sort of, uh, what do you call it? A <laughs> parallel to the Great Commission, taking the gospel around the world, sharing our faith. And yet when it comes to the moment for many of us, have you ever felt what it feels like to fluff your lines? <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking as I was watching this video, so I remember a couple of years ago, we went out for Christmas drinks, me and some of the dads from school, all our kids footballers, loving football, footballing dads. And one of them turns to me, it's a group of about 12 of us, and, uh, and, and one of them says, oh, says so Danny says, what, what do you do for a job? It's my moment. It's my moment to talk about Jesus. And not only that, but all the rest of the conversation goes quiet and everybody starts listening. And do you know what? I, I just totally fluff it. I said, well, I'm a minister of a church, and, and 
And they're like, oh, right, that's unusual. You know, none of them ever go to church. And they're like, he said, well, right. He says, why? why? And I said, well, and I started, I, I, you know when you hear yourself talking nonsense? <laughs> and I started talking about, oh, yeah, church is great these days. We have drum kits. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, we have young people in our church. And they all just looked at me like, right. And one of them just said, well, <laughs> he said, well, each to their own, I guess. <laughs> I thought, oh, no, I totally missed the moment. Spent all the walk home just thinking, what should I have said to bring Jesus into the conversation quicker? Have you ever had those moments? Good, well, we're in this together then, okay? I just need to confess that to some people to say that I'm learning this stuff as well. We're learning to witness. If you want to read a book, by the way, about this subject that's written for people who aren't good at this stuff, Everyone a Witness by Mike Betts, brilliant book. We'll put it in the email this week. And uh, we're also going to be looking at it in small group, uh, not looking at the book, but we're looking at the subject in small groups over the next few weeks as well. So let's learn to be Great Commission people. Having identified this is something that perhaps many of us struggle with, yet we know that we want to do, let's look at what it means to be Great Commission people. And I've got four things that I reckon from these verses tells us what Great Commission people look like, what going people look like. They receive great authority from God. They practice great mobility They articulate great clarity, and they uh, model great availability. So let's look at the first one of these, great authority. Before we have the word go, in that command of Jesus, it says therefore. When you see a therefore, you have to see what it's there for. (laughs) And Jesus prefaces the words therefore go with these words. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's quite a statement, isn't it? (laughs) Quite a statement that Jesus made. And you think, well, where did Jesus get his authority from? You know, if you're a politician, there's a word that politicians love to to use these days. It's the word mandate. You ever heard anybody say that? Well, we have a mandate. What they mean is this, that I got enough votes to say this, therefore I'm going to do it. And you think, well, what what was Jesus' mandate? I mean, 11 people on a mountainside isn't much of a mandate. (laughs) Actually, the last crowd that he'd really seen were yelling, crucify him. Sure, he had big crowds during his ministry, but based on recent events, he didn't seem to have popular opinion on his side. You know, it's so important that we understand if we're going to be great commissioned people, that it's not our authority and, and, and our confidence doesn't come from the receptivity that others give us. It comes from God. Now, when the disciples heard Jesus say, this is right before the ascension happened, okay? So when, when these disciples heard Jesus say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, they were Jewish believers. They would have straight away clocked that, oh, he's kind of quoting Daniel chapter 7 in the Old Testament where Daniel had a vision of the Son of Man. If you could put the next slide up, please. Let's read the verse from Daniel 7. And in my vision, Daniel said, at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led in his presence, and he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never 
be destroyed. Where did Jesus get his authority from? Well, when he ascended, when we say ascension, often we think of a lift going up. When King Charles, when the coronation happens, it will be referred to as his ascension to his throne. When a cloud took Jesus from the sight of the disciples in that ascension moment, he literally stepped through from his earthly existence into his heavenly existence. And in this moment, he approaches God, the Ancient of Days, as he's referred to in these verses. And 10,000 times 10,000 angels are bowing before him, casting their crowns down before this human being, who's the first human being who doesn't fall flat on his face before God, but comes up to God with confidence. And God the Father says, sit here next to me on this throne. And he gives him authority. And he gives him sovereign power and glory. And he promises him the nations of the world. So when Jesus said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, this is what's going on in the background. This is what's happening. That Jesus, through his death, life, death, and resurrection, has ultimate authority over the affairs of mankind and bringing people of all nations to know him. He has a mandate. So where does your confidence come from in preaching gospel? Well, it comes from the fact that Jesus has all the authority and he's telling you to go. The Great Commission isn't an invitation to do a bit more evangelism. It's an invite into the plan of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit to reconcile people all over the world who are far away from him into his family. We have a mandate. We're on a mission from God. And whoever you spend your day-to-day life with, whether it's work colleagues or family members or raising children, you have a mandate to speak the gospel to them. And tonight, as we begin this series of prayer evenings for an hour, We're going to spend time worshipping and praying, understanding the authority that Jesus has over all things. Therefore, when we pray for people who don't know Jesus to come to know him, we're praying with all the authority of heaven and earth because we know this is what Jesus has been called to. So that's the first thing. It comes with great authority. Here's the second thing. The Great Commission is about people who practice great mobility. Do you know what the most common command in the Bible is? I don't know either, actually, but um, it's probably do not be afraid, something like that. I think probably high up there, though, is this one, to go. God always seems to be telling people to go. And so uh, if you... um, if you start in Genesis, Adam and Eve fill the earth and subdue. It's a multiplying command. Abraham was told to go to a land he did not know. Moses was told at the burning bush to go to Pharaoh and rescue the people of Israel. Gideon was told to go in the strength he had against the formidable army of Midianites. Pretty much all of the prophets, but notably Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Jonah were commissioned by God to go. They were sent people. Uh, In the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus finishes by telling the person who asked the question, he said, go and do likewise. 
On one occasion, Jesus said to 12 disciples, go. He says, I'm sending you. On another time, he said to 72 people, go and heal the sick and preach the good news of the kingdom. When he was raised from the dead and he met those first resurrection witnesses, Mary and some of the other women, his command to him, he says, go, go and tell the others that Jesus is alive. And now we're at these final words of his earthly ministry, where he says, go into all the world. Do you get the sense that going is in the heart of God somewhere? Mobility is in the plans of God. That's great reassurance, by the way, for you. If, if you're kind of feeling like, well, why am I here? And, and how, how did I end up here? Perhaps you're at university for the first time, or perhaps you're from another part of the world. Perhaps you're from Ukraine or, or somewhere, and you're thinking, I, I, just feel, I feel all out of sorts. I don't know what I'm doing here. Well, know this, that God's heart for you is with you because he's a going God, and he's with you in the going. I felt for somebody here today, I mean, there might be more than one person. Edinburgh University was your second choice. I find that hard to believe. I think it must be first choice for most people. But I feel there might be somebody here. Edinburgh University was, was your second choice, and, and you've ended up here. God wants you to know you're in the right place. He's got a call on you. If that's you, I'd love to chat to you afterwards. Going is in the heart of God. He's a going God. A couple of quick references for you. Ezekiel chapter 1. There's an amazing vision that Ezekiel had of the throne of God. Do you know an astonishing feature of the throne of God? It has wheels. Wheels within wheels. We don't have time to look at the chapter. It's highly complex. But there's these living creatures that are underneath the throne of God. Wherever the Spirit, whenever the Spirit says go, they go. The picture of God's very throne is a throne that fills the universe, but is also not just in a corner of the universe where God's putting his feet up saying, bring me the worship. God is active. He's going. His heart is constantly to go. Jesus was sent from God himself. He's the son of God. And Jesus called himself in a parable that the shepherd who went after the sheep. God's called us to be a going people. We experience his favor when we go. And I remember um, about 20 years ago, before Julie and I moved here, we were feeling restless in our church in Newcastle where we were. We just felt God was calling us to go somewhere, but we didn't know where. And our friends, Matthew and Anne, they said, well, we're going to plant a church in Edinburgh. Do you want to come with us and help lead that church? And we, and we felt really good about it. And like, hey, that, so that's a good, good opportunity. We'd love to do that. And uh, we didn't have a word from God on it at the time. But I happened to be in a room full of church leaders at a, at a conference that I got invited along to. And, and, um, and there was somebody sat behind me who was just a very well-known prophetic voice within New Frontiers, our group of churches, and uh, I'd heard her give amazing prophecies that had come to pass from the, the front of massive sort of sages and, and auditoriums. And they did that awkward thing where they said in one of the breaks, just turn around to somebody you know, that you don't know, and just say hello. <laughs> so I turned around, and I'm, I'm chatting to this lady, Ginny. And uh, she's a really normal person. And she's just very chatty. But she looked at my name badge, which said Dan Hudson, City Church, Newcastle, because that's the church I was attending the conference from. And she said, oh, she said, I hope you don't mind me saying that. And she said, but when I saw your name badge, it, there was something wrong about it because I just felt that God was going to be moving you north. 
thought, well, I'm, she said, does that mean anything? I said, well, actually, I'm, we're thinking of moving to Edinburgh. She said, oh, right, that'll be it. <laughs> 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 then we went and had a cup of coffee. There you go. God's favour is experienced in the going, and we've learned such favour as we came here. Right, here's the third thing about Great Commission people who go, that they have great clarity. Um, they didn't just go around the world saying, well, it's something about God, something about Jesus. No, that they knew exactly what they were telling people about Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, who wasn't even in that original crowd, said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, what I received, clearly from these other apostles who were there, I passed on to you as of first importance for Christ, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. He says, this is of first importance. If we're going to share the gospel with people, so beyond just telling people that God loves them, which is a wonderful thing to tell them because God is love and he does love people, if we're going to be accurate in sharing the message of Jesus with people, there's some things in there. It's a message that has to do with sin. It's a message that has to do with Jesus dying on a cross. It's a message that has to do with his resurrection, physically alive from the grave. There's many different sort of uh, ideas that people have come up with to just help summarize those things. We'll no doubt come to some of those over these next few weeks as different ones share. But uh, here's one that kind of works for me, A, B, C, D. For somebody to become a Christian, they, they need to admit that they've fallen short of God's standard. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of his standard. And that results in judgment to come. Here's... The second thing, to become a Christian, you have to believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life, shall not perish but have eternal life. If you believe that Jesus died on a cross and he rose again, you will be saved. Thirdly, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says that in Romans 10, verse 9. And for, for a Christian, somebody who becomes a Christian, they do that publicly through the act of baptism. They say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and they get baptized in water. And the fourth thing is to decide. It means that to decide to live your life following Jesus and what he says, not just based on your preferences or your ideas of what you think he might like you to do, but what the Bible teaches you. That's what it means to follow him, to repent, to do a U-turn, to go his way rather than your way. Spend some time over these coming weeks finding out an understanding of the gospel that you can remember so that you can explain it if you need to. Here's the last thing, because I want us to take a moment to respond, and we're going to watch Guy teach us some amazing things to really help us with this subject. It's, it's about modeling great availability. These early disciples, these 11 people, it says in Mark's gospel that, uh, that they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word with the signs that followed it. They just made themselves available. They didn't say, oh, there's only 11 of us, what's the point? They said, no, if, well, if Jesus says it, we're up for it. They made themselves available. And generations that would follow them would plant thousands of churches and tell thousands and thousands of people about Jesus. 
How did all of that happen? Because 11 people said yes. We can't even vouch for the quality of them. It says in, in the verses we read earlier that some of them doubted. I think well, that wasn't a great start, was it? <laughs> in front of Jesus, who's alive from the dead. Oh, I'm not sure about this, Jesus. No, he used them, and he can certainly use you. You know, when people understand their God-given authority, when they practice mobility, when they know gospel clarity, and when they make themselves available to God, remarkable things can happen. Many people say, well, we're in an era of decline of Christianity in the West. Well, do you know what can change that? It's when people make themselves available to God to say, well, Lord, you seem to take it from a few believers then to millions around the world. He can turn our nation around if we put our hand into his. I started uh, this message by referring to Isaiah's call in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the Lord in his temple. And in that episode, Isaiah felt pretty awful because he became so aware of his sinfulness and his own inadequacy. And God took away his sin and he cleansed his mouth. And he he says, your sin is taken away, Isaiah. And then Isaiah heard this voice saying, who will go? Who will go? Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah is like that kid at the back of the classroom trying to answer a question when the teacher hasn't seen his hand. He says, me, me, here I am, send me. I want to invite you today not to bring Jesus your reluctance, not to say, Lord, please send somebody else like Moses did for us to bring our hearts to him and say, Lord, here I am. Would you send me and would you use me? And he loves to answer that prayer.